Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At the end of the day, success in your business is really just a word problem. And you can focus on it and just drill down on it, which by the way, we're still doing, but just constantly refining your word problem. And I have mine up here at the top of my whiteboard, which is right there. And just if I had figured out some of those numbers earlier, we would be farther along. But you know, then again, I can't believe how stupid I was two weeks ago. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. Today, we have Matthew Davis. Matthew has built a multi-million dollar law firm around risk management. Risk management is a fascinating area for CEOs that unfortunately often gets overlooked. In this episode, we talk about where prevention sits in the strategy process for your business. What are three sources of vulnerabilities for business owners, why you need to deal with your vulnerabilities so that you capitalize on your opportunities. And finally, the power of treating your employees like internal customers. Matthew, you'll find has a great sense of humor, but more importantly, a deep knowledge for reducing risk in your business. This is a must listen if you run a business. Let's chat with them now. Hey, Matthew, thanks for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? Man, I am okay. I, like I, I came back to the office to rest up because my kids have been wearing me out. So, and where is your office located? I'd love to just find out where. My main office, my home office, is in Enid, Oklahoma. Which uh, you know, I know you're a California boy, so I tell my California friends that's Stockton, or my Tennessee friends it's Jackson. It's one of the small cities, but then we have offices stretching from Kansas City down to Dallas, everywhere in between. Yeah. So just context, you have your lawyer and you have your law firm and you have seven offices. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. Seven offices. And I think you also a part-time, maybe you're a comedian, although you may not admit that part, but I can tell you have a good sense of humor. Well, thanks. I mean, I, uh, I try and make it all a little bit fun. I mean, although, you know, my wife asked me, she says, what are you going to do? You know, when you slow down with the law firm? And I said, it's the heavy metal band, honey. <laughs> She's like, you're serious? I said, yeah, of course, I'm, I'm dead serious. So, yeah, I have a new heavy metal band called Geriatric Steel. 
and we're pretty excited about it. We've got some songs like Get Off My Lawn and Teenage Daughter. So I'll have to uh, look that up on iTunes and see. Uh, well, Ed, we're about to record. We're we're going to we're practicing tonight. So, but, <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about that because, um, you know, you have some funny comments around starting a law firm. I don't think you necessarily resonate as a typical lawyer in terms of you resonate with how a typical lawyer is. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, I mean, I, I sometimes hate saying this, but I mean it. I mean, law law school, it, law school attracts a lot of just unpleasant people. And I like to say sociopaths. And, you know, they... I don't mean in like the Ted Bundy sociopathic way, but they, they they use the law as like a will to power to take over other people's lives. And then they end up running the law firms and or you have to deal with them in the law business. And it really burns people out. And it, it the law business chews up a lot of people who go into it with good intentions. And, and it's a stressful career because there's a lot of responsibility attached to it. But I walked away from being a Washington lawyer, that's where I thought I was going to practice. And literally, I had lunch one day with one of my cousins, 10 years older than me, same career path. I thought I was going to go down. And I just said, after lunch, I don't want to be him. And literally packed up, called my girlfriend who was out in Los Angeles, uh, living there. She was a TV producer and said, hey, let's move back to our hometown and have a bunch of kids and five kids. And 26 years later, here we are. Wow. Yeah. So I'm always amazed when people think they're going to go in a certain direction and they just wake up or in your case, maybe have lunch and decide that that's not the direction for you. Was that scary to all of a sudden say, hey, I'm going to you know, leave Los Angeles or I'm going to pick you up in Los Angeles and head back home? Was that scary or were, like you, were you unsure about it or was it you knew from the get-go that was the way to go? What was scary is when the air conditioner went out in her car in Palm Springs in August and she had two cats in the back and I had to drive the car with no air conditioner all the way back to Oklahoma while she drove in the rental car. Of course it was terrifying. And, you know, it was terrifying when I left a law firm and started my own business and I was officing with a friend of mine and I'm sitting there in this office with tile floor, very Spartan, used furniture, just going, what am I doing? And I had three kids at the time. And wow, what am I doing? And then, you know, I, I joke sort of, but I'm not joking. I ultimately had a midlife crisis and started a law firm because I had one client get to be 40% of my business. And at that point, I just moved my office home. I had a very sophisticated marketing strategy in the sense that I wasn't in the phone book. I didn't have a web page, but I was full-time busy and had people working for me part-time because I, I just built a good client base locally here. But I realized I couldn't replicate that because I didn't have a marketing strategy. And I had one client that could have taken 40% of my business that way. And at that point, I'm the provider for five kids. Wow. And yeah, it's a pretty scary place to be. So talk about being scared again. I said, well, okay, let's go start a law firm. And here we are seven and a half years later with 13 lawyers, and 24 employees. Yeah. And talking about your marketing strategy, your book, 
The Art of Preventing Stupid. The Art of Preventing Stupid. Great book. It's interesting. You're a lawyer focusing around, it seems like, and correct me if I say anything wrong, asset protection, but you've taken an angle kind of building a good business. Would you agree with that? Is that your is that a conscious marketing strategy? Or what were your thoughts around doing it that way? It's unique. Well, okay. Let's take a step back. So yeah. my mother was the only woman in her med school class. And she was complete hell on wheels. <laughs> it, I mean she's I've got a picture up here so I'm laughing about it. But she ended up in St. Louis, did a residency here. Then they Mom and dad decided to come back here to Enid, and she set up her medical practice. And she was one of the pioneers of breast cancer screening. In, you know, back in the 70s, when it was just a new deal, so to speak, just on the cutting edge of medicine. And I remember her carrying on about it forever and talking about it. And then as an adult, I moved here to our hometown. Can't tell you how many people have said to me over my adult life, hey, your mom saved my life, or my wife's life or my mom's. And so from a professional standpoint, I think I've always come to the table with a preventative approach because that's what mom was doing. That's, you know, that's what she taught me. And that's, from my perspective, kind of an ethical deal. In law school, we're just taught to deal with issues as they arise rather than getting ahead of them. So I went out and had developed some systems that are really just brainstorming systems, brainstorm, prioritize, plan. It's that step. It's, it's a very akin to strategic planning, but maybe in a negative way of let's deal with the threats, whereas business coaches would look more at the goals. But from a legal perspective, we feel like, and I think the evidence bears it out, we've got some real expertise in what can go wrong with the business because you know, that's why better call Saul, right? You call Saul when the S hits the fan, right? <laughs> we see it hit the fan all the time and we still do that. But we have a lot of clients we work with in our strong protected business program, which is just an outside general counsel program. But we think we do it pretty well because we work in a systemic way as the book sets out of let's get ahead of your problems. Let's do insightful brainstorming of what can go wrong and then we can deal with it. Okay. So let's let's talk about some of that prevention or things that business owners and entrepreneurs should be looking at. I always like to start with the number one. So let's what's like the number one business mistake business owners make? Does something stand out? Well it depends on the size of the business. Okay. You know we we talk about all your problems come from one of three sources catastrophes. There's one catastrophes, which are things outside of your control. And they can be humans, they can be natural, they can be the market, right? COVID would be a catastrophe. Yeah. Yeah. How do you deal with that one? COVID's completely off the charts. Right. And that's one that, you know, that that was most of them are foreseeable. That one, I'm like, wow. And you know, the number two is ignorance. And what I mean by that is. What skill sets do you not have that you need to have? So let's take an example of that. I was out here in one of the country towns with a client of mine, and they were in the middle of an oil boom, and they were an oil field electrical company, right? And they're all pulling their hair out working 80-hour weeks, 
and they're just losing their minds. And we're going through the business immune system report, just what the, the, that book's about. And I said, guys, your problem is you're ignorant about recruiting. You don't know how to recruit. And, you know, we marked it down, prioritized it. And guess what? They fixed that problem. But had we just not put the, the bow on it, there you go. And by the way, ignorance is a more common source of threats or problems or vulnerabilities when your company is younger, okay? Because you're learning, you're still building your skill sets. And by the way, you're always building your skill sets or you're not. Right. Now, the third source of your problems or vulnerabilities is ineptitude. And what I mean by that is where you're slacking off, okay? You're going to see that more in mature companies, okay? So we had a failure. I mean, we do all the time in the sense that somehow we weren't watching our marketing in Tulsa and we knew we should have been. I mean, it's, it's completely on me. This buck stops here, right? And our website had gone down. I mean, our webpage, our local page for Tulsa was just connecting to a 404 code, you know, whatever, whatever you know, this page is not operational. And, you know, that, that was completely on us. And so we built a system to fix that. And so, okay, bottom line, I guess what I'm getting to is when we're looking at what, what the number one problem is, boy, I'm having a hard time answering that, except your dividing line is going to be ignorance and ineptitude between newer and older companies. Got it. Okay. And let's talk about some of those mistakes that you see business owners make. Like, Do you have a a laundry list of a few of them that you could kind of share that you see need to be addressed for preventive measures? Yeah. Well, so what we do with the business immune system report, and we have a, another one that's very similar called the strong protective business report, but we do structured brainstorming in a sense of let's look at your seven systems of your business. And the first one we always look at is management or ownership, right? Let's just, we can dovetail that together you know, what's your management catastrophe that can happen? And now, by the way, this all dovetails into prioritization, right? Okay, so, and when you're a small company, your obvious management catastrophe is you die or you become disabled, right? Well, okay, that's simple enough, but there's also not all that much you can do about that. And by the way, it may not matter all that much of course, you dying is obviously very significant, right? But <laughs> it's horribly significant. But you know, you're talking about the people that it affects afterwards. Let's contrast that with I was working with the president of a couple hundred million dollar a year company, and we sat down and I said, Hey, listen, you know, you think the next president of this company is gonna be your son who is at an Ivy League school who thinks he's going to be president of the United States of America. And this is not a reasonable way of dealing with the vulnerability of you being 52 years old and not in optimal health. You know, that's, that's crazy. That's, by the way, stupid, right? But unless you really get focused in on that and unless you, you deal with those vulnerabilities in a systemic way, they just get overlooked, right? Yep. So I want to shift gears a little bit back to your book. You take a position of 
like I think you mentioned a little bit on a negative side, the art of preventing stupid catastrophes and stuff like that. Is that to grab people's attention or what, why did you phrase it that way? Yeah, I want to grab people's attention because, you know, of course, entrepreneurs all think they're 12 feet tall and bold, right? <laughs> and they do. And, you know, it's that bravado that pull, pulls them through a lot of the time. But yeah, I wanted to agitate the issue. And in, in a couple of ways, A, one sort of be a little bit abrasive in saying that, saying, hey, you know, this is stupid. But also, I love Harvey McKay's book because it makes me feel better about myself. So it's, you know, swim with the sharks without a gift. All-time favorite. All-time classic, right? Right up there with E-Math. But he's got a line in there where he goes, I can't believe how stupid I was two weeks ago, right? And, you know, any business owner that's grown a company knows how that feels, right? Mm -hmm. But the trick is the businesses that make the smallest number of unforced errors are the strongest players on the field. And by the way, they're the ones that get the opportunities, particularly when the chips are down. I mean, watch what's, I mean, we're going to hit a wall here shortly. I mean, I think everybody feels it. Right. But if you're in good shape, if you're ready to go play ball, that's when everybody else is down, you're going to be standing. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, one of our canned taglines is if you deal with your vulnerabilities, you can capitalize on your opportunities. Love it. Yeah. So let me talk about this because I know in our first uh, brief conversation, you talked a little bit about your own team culture and just recruiting staff. And I know you put a lot of, you've grown fast, you put a lot of effort in that. Could you talk about a little bit what's important in culture in a company and then just along the lines of tools for recruiting good team members? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Culture is, let's just start there if you want to build a business. And it starts at the top and it starts with how you treat people. And the way we approach things is that all of our people, all of our team, we treat like internal customers. Okay. And Richard Branson talks about it. I mean, there's many people that do, but it's, if you take good care of them, they'll take care of your customers. Right. right. And, and both internally and externally, one thing I always talk about is Figure out what everybody hates about your industry and do it differently. So internally, law firms are horrible to attorneys. They, they use them up. They work them out. I love to pick up attorneys who've been with other law firms for three to five years and are just sick of them. So Dixie is, I always tease her and say, you're a little cowgirl attorney, right? And she kind of is. She lives out on a ranch and she shows up at the office every now and again. But she's got just a great client base with us. But she was working for one of the insurance defense firms in Oklahoma City. And they were working her nine and a half hours a day of billable time. And that's what I mean, you know, that's those are 12 hour bill, those are 12 hour in the office days. Easy. Yeah. And we took her billing, you know, her requirement, billing requirement to six hours a day and matched salary. And she's gone up since then. And you know, then she has a baby. She has Duke, right? Well, I showed up at the hospital with a life-size cutout of John Wayne. <laughs> right? 
And, you know, I got that off the shelf. Well, then she hauled off and had Hank. So I had to go out and have a custom made cutout of Hank Williams Sr. And those are in both the boys' rooms. She's measuring their height on them as they grow. And that's, that's part of making the culture fun. But the other part is knowing what they need. So one of our attorneys was having some family trouble. And my COO is a retired Air Force Colonel JAG officer. So, you know, he, he answered to a four-star general before he answered to me, which I think is pretty funny. And, and you know, we, we big brother some of these guys from time to time. Now, the two books we use, the system-wise, number one is Jeff Smart's, which is a great book. And the, the principle of that is really the leopard doesn't change its spots if you just get right down to it, as opposed to the financial services industry, past performance does indicate future performance, right? Right. We are who we are. But we also use a book called Hiring for Attitude. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't. It is great. Um, What's that guy's name? I think it's Mark Murphy. I won't look around for it too much. I'll put that in the show notes too. Yeah, fantastic book. And he maps out culture in the way of, Here's what works with your company and here's what doesn't. And maybe here's the piece de resistance of this whole little section. He talks about how you do your ads. And when you see our ads, when lawyers see our ads, they either love us or hate us. And I want to differentiate between. I mean, I want to scare people off. I mean, it it because most law firm ads sound like would you like to wear a gray suit and be a douchebag to the rest of humanity? And you know, that's what they read. You know, be a preeminent, preeminent, blah, 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 blah. And we're like, would you actually like to help people? Would you like to have a great work environment? And we don't hire any Eeyores. And, you know, I either have them or I don't. And if I don't have them, I don't want them. Hey, this is Tyler. Oftentimes, business owners and entrepreneurs hire me because they are stuck. Their business is stuck. They've hit a wall and can't take their business to the next level. And they're frustrated. When I grew my second business, it took me a while to get the pieces to fit. But once they did, the business scaled fast. In fact, it grew to 25 million in annual revenue and ultimately sold for eight figures. So I decided to put together a roadmap for scaling a business. I wanna help stuck business owners that wanna scale but are having challenges. It's called the Scale in 5 Roadmap, and you can get a copy by doing the following. Text the number 55444 and type the word SCALE and hit send. A copy of the roadmap will be sent to your inbox. And we're like, would you actually like to help people? Would you like to have a great work environment? And we don't hire any Eeyores. And, you know, I either have them or I don't. And if I don't have them, I don't want them. Yeah. So do you you ever get a bad apple that slips through and you go, oh man, I went in the wrong direction? And and how do you deal with that when that happens? Or is that has been an interesting learning curve for us. Yeah. Because our sandbox, our our clients are small business people. We have one big corporate client, which was the one that was 40% that we've now grown actually from two branches to 40 branches, but now they're only 10% of our business. So that's been an interesting ride. But 
we, you know, we represent small business people, you know, mom and pop shops, and we do transactions and we do litigation, we do negotiations for them. And we have learned that we have to have attorneys that are completely fearless about taking somebody down to the courthouse and boxing their ears if they need. And we have made a couple mistakes with hiring people who are primarily desk lawyers, transactional lawyers. And you know, it's not that every case goes to the courthouse, but we know that we have to have attorneys that have the courtroom experience. It doesn't have to be the most dramatic stuff, but just that have that inner confidence when somebody's messing with one of our clients to go, okay, I'll take you down and teach you some manners in front of a judge. So we have not really had any mistakes once we figured that out. And I guess, too, the other thing I've learned about hiring is look for reasons to say no. Okay, I like people. You like people. I mean, you and I are just, you know, we're simpatico, right? Right, Um, right. And I have to go just be kind of harsh and like, man, okay. This just isn't going to work because I just want everybody. I mean, I want to hang out with everybody. Yeah. And, you know, I was in Wichita doing an interview and this guy's worked out fantastic. And we were doing all of our normal stuff. And finally, I just go, will you go kick somebody's butt? Will you? (laughs) Will you? And he's like, yeah, I'm really competitive. I know it doesn't come across, but then he starts talking about, you know, doing races, like I don't half marathons or whatever. And I'm like, Okay, you know, I got to have somebody that's competitive because, you know, we live in a and we deal with conflict all the time. You know, I want to talk about a little bit. You guys have taken a different angle. You've definitely you want to be looked at a little bit differently than your typical lawyer. There's not a lot of you guys that exist where you think more preventative and you're very vocal about that. It's usually after something's gone wrong. So what if if someone's out there, they're listening, let's say, and they're, they want to look for a law firm, what are some things that they should look for? I mean, how, how do they find that differentiator that someone's helping them think along the lines of preventing things rather than when things have actually gone wrong? Wow. You know... Honestly, there are firms out there with general counsel programs, and it generally would be called an outside general counsel program. And I know several of them across America. I'm in a couple groups of those guys, and they tend to be very smart and think through it. And you know, the question ultimately is: is it is it worth the money to invest up front? And that's that can be really valuable. I'll tell you what, you know, my email is mdavis at davisbusinesslaw.com. And if anybody wants to drop me an email, we've got a new document we're working on called The Strong Protected Business, which is a new brand and my next book. But it's called The Strong Protected Business Legal Blueprint. And what we're doing with that is mapping out where your your main concerns should be about protecting your business, depending on the size of your company. And we've based that around an essay called Evolve Yourself to Scale Your Business, which was written by one of the scaling up coaches. Um, Marcos is his name. He's out of Mexico. And, And you can find it on the internet. Great, great essay talking about four stages of growth. And we have read it repeatedly. 
every time we're freaking out about where we are and how we're managing the business because what it's just assurance going, okay, somebody's been here before, it's manageable. And our our goal is to was to use this, this SPB blueprint, legal blueprint of to give that as an asset, and we're just giving it away to businesses so that they can go, okay, this is where I should prioritize. Because you know, Tyler, it's overwhelming growing a yes. business. And if you can just get some some advice about, okay, this is where I need to be prioritizing my efforts. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really good stuff. Hey, I've got just a couple more for you. I want to talk about, you've scaled your own law firm and done, done just a wonderful job at it. It sounds like you guys are growing at a rapid rate. What are some challenges along the way that you've had to deal with within your own business as far as scaling challenges? Anything stand out? Well, figuring out the, the right attorneys that worked with us and, and all that. After I do the Strong Protective Business book, which we're toying around with how to publish right now, I think my next book is just going to be called The Word Problem. <laughs> you know, we all hated word problems as kids, right? I mean, you, you remember them. Right. And we're all like, God, I hated that. Mrs. Jones, right? But at the end of the day, success in your business is really just a word problem. And you can focus on it and just drill down on it, which, by the way, we're still doing, but just constantly refining your word problem. And I have mine up here at the top of my whiteboard, which is right up there. And just if I had figured out some of those numbers earlier, we would be farther along. But, you know, then again, I can't believe how stupid I was two weeks ago, right? Right. Right. But that's part of the journey, don't you think? I mean, I love that you say that because whether you're 5 million, you're 10 million, you're 20 million, each stage brings its own set of problems and learning experiences. I don't know if it ever really goes away. Do you think it does? I have an 80-year-old uncle uh-huh. who went to Yale undergraduate, then Harvard Business School, then got sent to Vietnam to run riverboats, right, naturally. Wow. And then ended up in Dallas about 1970 and built a nursing home empire. And we were out walking about two weeks ago around his neighborhood. And I can assure you it never ends because he told me so. (laughs) Hey, I've got a a question for you. I always like to end with this. Do you have a life tip or a business tip that you've learned along the way that you can share with us and we can apply and hopefully either make our life or business better? Yeah. And, And it really goes back to the art of preventing stupid. And the reason I'm... We can talk about it both ways. Because my my brother-in-law is an airline pilot for American, and um, he really sucks. All he does is fly like a 787 like four days a month and then sends me, you know, pictures from Shanghai or Wellington, right? Yeah. And we have very intelligent texts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tough life. <laughs> yeah, he's great. And yeah. we sit down and deal with your vulnerabilities. And... And do it in an organized way. And what I was talking about him for is he said, you know, Matt, this business immune system that you did, you can tweak it a little bit. And and it works on your personal level, too. And when you can get prepared, when you can prevent things, and if you can't prevent things, you can prepare for them. But at least you're not making stupid mistakes. Do it. I mean, 
one of the soapboxes I'm constantly on is we all are, most of us are familiar with SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, okay? We deal down in the weaknesses and threats level, but it's not instructive. It is not insightful. It is not smart to just go, what are my weaknesses? What are my threats? But if you can go, say, as a business owner, what are the weaknesses in my personnel? Where am I, where's my team weak? Or what are our threats with my team? Or, you know, where is my, where are we ignorant about marketing? Or where are we being, you know, inept about marketing? And if you will build a structure and ask good questions and deal with those vulnerabilities, your life's just going to be so much better. And it doesn't take that much time. So what I love about you, Matthew, is you really practice what you preach. So your book, The Art of Preventing Stupid, what I liked about it, I originally lawyer wrote it. I'm expecting kind of a little bit of a legalese to it or you know, kind of hard to read. It's written very easy to read. It makes sense. It's got a lot of a very unique. It's got your own take to how to protect a business, how to grow a business. A lot of really good stuff, even like the immune system. I love it. It's got a nice unique terminology to it. So love the book. Your website is davisbusinesslaw.com. DavisBusinessLaw.com. I'll put all of our link. You know, think we taught you gave dropped a few books. You gave a few links. Is it okay if I put your email address in no, the show notes yeah. too? Okay, yeah. and I'll just put you know contact uh, Matthew for free. I don't remember what you called it, but the, the document you're working on, I'll contact. Yeah, I'm happy to send that out. I mean, we're we are pretty much open book because you know we want to help people. We figure that comes back to haunt us. Awesome. Well. <laughs> It's been great chatting with you today. You're you're a wealth of knowledge and you're fun to talk with on top of that. I really appreciate it. Maybe when that next book comes out, uh, I'd love to have you back and just talk about that a little bit. Thanks. Yeah, I would. Let's, let's do that. Okay. Have a great one. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Take care. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, The Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, The Interviews. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.